friends, welcome back to Nobody Knows, the self-help and career development podcast dedicated to ones who are still trying to figure it all out in life. If this is your first time listening, I'm Juliana and I want to thank you so much for listening. I'm a 28-year-old who has consistently felt lost in life and like I've always just been behind when I was navigating my 20s. I created Nobody Knows to share my experiences and advice in hopes that we can relate to one another. We also have guests on here from time to time to spice things up with a different perspective, knowledge, and expertise of figuring it all out. To the usual crew, I appreciate you tuning in again. If you have been loving this podcast, make sure you're following on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and hit the bell on Spotify to be notified of future episodes. Lastly, I'd love your feedback for Nobody Knows Podcast. The best way to show your support is either through a five-star review on either listening platform or just writing to me directly on either Instagram at Nobody Knows Podcast and on TikTok at Nobody Knows Podcast, followed by an underscore. Today, we're joined by Roxy Kaus, a businesswoman and career, homebody, introvert, and lifestyle content creator. Roxy has a master's of science in user experience design and a wealth of experience in the e-commerce industry, having worked for major corporations. Apart from her professional background, Roxy is also a prominent content creator on TikTok and Instagram. Known for her relatability, vulnerability, and transparency, Roxy's content has really resonated with her audiences. I personally look forward to seeing her content daily. There's no video that I've seen of hers that I skip over, and each one I'm learning something new, or I'm thinking about an experience that I've already gone through in a different light. If you haven't already seen her content, it focuses on work from home life, being introverted, and career advice she would give to her younger self. She also loves documenting Sunday errands, so if that's something that you enjoy, I highly suggest checking her out. I truly find Sunday errands or just errands in general or just doing your, I don't want to call them silly little routines, but like just your daily routines, so therapeutic and so interesting. That is definitely like my type of content. Roxy's content, I guess, is like akin to receiving advice from a supportive big sister, guiding her community she's built through career challenges with wisdom and empowerment. And when she's not working on her content or working in general, Roxy enjoys spending time at home with her husband, Jason, and their two beloved dogs, Benny and Quincy. Today, we're talking about the highs and lows of working from home, of balancing and prioritizing both the nine to five and content creation, and how to maintain friendships when you're an introvert. Furthermore, Roxy shares advice on how to take the guilt out of setting boundaries in your career, and she dives into her experience of being a first-generation college student within her family and how she found her way all on her own. This episode is for anyone who is grinding it out right now in their nine to five, for those that value their job and really want to continue and excel in their career, and for those that just want to feel more comfortable and confident working. You may feel like that sounds like an impossible feat right now, but I can confirm we have definitely all been there, and so can Roxy, and that's the best part of this episode is that she is sharing all her knowledge and advice on what worked and didn't work for her in her career. So please keep on listening. 
thank you so much, Roxy, for being on Nobody Knows today. I'm really excited to have you dive into career development, career advice, your experience uh, in your work, being a homebody, being an introvert, thriving that way. I and I just can't wait to dive in. So let's start off with what are you currently figuring out right now in life? And this can be super, super big, or it can be small, like maybe you're taking up a new hobby or something even more personal. What are you figuring out? Yeah, and thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I would say what I'm trying to figure out currently is, you know, I talk a lot in my content about working from home for the last four or so years. I've always been in roles where I could be hybrid, but I never was fully 100% working from home. So I think I'm still just trying to figure out the the balance. And so with working from home, you know, we could move somewhere else. We have more flexibility and mm-hmm. just trying to figure out the balance between work, home life, where we would like to, you know, to be. It's just kind of, we're, we're just kind of just trying to figure things out in this era uh, of life that we're in. Totally. And like, now that you're fully working from home, do you think you would ever go back to a, like a, totally in office job? Un, unpopular opinion, but I, I would. I, I think I, I've always been focused on career growth, career progression. Those things have always been important to me. And while, you know, in, in this space that I'm in currently, I am focusing on building a personal brand as well. But I still have dreams of, you know, being a chief marketing officer, chief digital officer. Those are still aspirations of mine. And where I do the work is not as important to me. So I know there's a lot of, you know, people, even when I post like about work from home life or work from home fatigue and people are like, couldn't be me. I'm never going back. I I would go back. And, and that's kind of, I think people will find that hard to believe because I'm a homebody. I like being home, but I, I also loved being in the office. Mm-hmm. I, I love building a community and people have even said like work should not be where you build a community. You need to have a life outside of work, but I've moved around a lot for work. I I currently live in Indiana and I'm from Texas originally. I went to school in Arkansas. I've lived in Ohio and Michigan and, you know, I've moved around for work. So one of the best places to create community is through people that you meet at work. So yeah, yeah, I I, I would go back if I, you know, if, if I needed to. Mm -hmm. So every episode, I share either a listener submission or just a random Reddit post that is in relation to figuring life out. And today, I've pulled a Reddit post for for you to give your advice, give what you would do if you were put into this situation. And it's in relation to you because this person is figuring out that they are slowly becoming an introvert. They are outgrowing their old friends and they realize that they might just be not in tune with them anymore and they're sort of having all these realizations as well as just wanting to finding themselves on their own a lot more so i'll read it to you and then i would love to get your insight on how you would tackle it or what advice you would have got it okay sounds good i am becoming more introverted the older i get i'm 23 years old i'm married i have two kids also 23 married and two kids that is a lot to do when you're 23 I think of myself when I was 23, I was a hot mess. <laughs> I, I was a child. <laughs> literally, literally. And then this person also wrote, and I have a car. Looking at my life from the outside, it's what some consider ideal. And then in parentheses, maybe not for a 23-year-old, but you get the gist. Yes, that's fair. 
In high school, I was semi-popular, did well in athletics, and did well with girls. I always spent time hanging out with a friend. I was almost never alone. Now, in my adult life, that has completely changed. I'm stuck in some weird limbo where everyone my age is living how a 23-year-old would typically live, and this person most definitely is not. Most are single or in a newer relationship. Most of them go bar hopping often, spend time with the boys, have poker nights, etc. I have tried reaching out to my old friends and I find myself just zoning out. I find their conversations unbearable. I really just have an awful time every time. It's not like they've changed. I'm the one who's changed. On the flip side, my wife is 30. She works in the medical field and often has dinners and social outings. These outings consist of people I would consider similar to me based on social, marital, and paternal status. But after Mm -hmm. several of these dinner parties, I'm realizing that the whole thing just ends up being a pissing contest. These people joke (laughs) and laugh, but it's also so fake. They have no real interests. They talk about their things and that's it. I'm not sure if it's because it's a formal setting and that's why maybe... But my wife insists that I'm looking into it too hard and I just need to relax. I don't find anyone interesting anymore. I do live in a smaller town, so there aren't many options for friends. Currently, I'm working on a plan to relocate my family to Portland for employment reasons. And I want to think this will create opportunities to make friends. I'm just afraid that my social skills are deteriorating. (laughs) I feel like I'm stuck in this social limbo where I don't really fit in with anyone. And being someone who has never had problems with being social, this is really messing with my head. So how do I fit in? Are there other people who would feel this way? Is this just what adult life is? Or do I need to just fake it till I make it? Okay. Yeah. So it's funny you said there's a Reddit post and I'm like, is there a Reddit post about me? I always no. say, I don't oh my gosh, no, but there are like Reddit threads about content creators or they're like called I know, I Reddit know. snarks or whatever. And I'm, I would never do that to you, Roxy. I hope there isn't. My husband, too. he actually, he's the Reddit person and he's always like looking. I'm like, let me know if there's ever something Let me find the me. person who's talking about my wife. So I think, I, I, one, I think comparison is the thief of joy and we often compare ourselves to other people just because you're 23 and other people are 23 does not mean that so you true. need to have common interests or, or common things that you're you're working on. I think about that a lot. Like I'm 35 years old and uh, I'm married and we don't have kids. So a lot of people that are our age have kids, they have multiple kids and there have definitely been friends that... I've grown apart from because we're not in that same right that that same space like the same part of our lives even content creation that's really cringy for like I mean I'm a content creator but like people associate like TikTok with like yes. Gen Z but I'm a millennial I'm on, I'm on TikTok and I do get comments like oh I, no I would never do TikTok I would yeah. never do that that's for like kids or whatever but I just think comparison is the thief of joy and we really have to hone in on like how we want to show up, like who we are and you will find people that accept you for who you are and it is okay to outgrow old friends. Like when I ventured into corporate America, I outgrew old friends. I I don't really like have close ties with people I went to high school with. I only still connect with a couple of people I went to college with and that's okay because you grow up, you evolve. We are not meant to stay the same. And and if you feel that you need to lower your expectations or who you are, how you want to show up just so that you can fit in, then I think you're doing it wrong. So, and it can be lonely too. Being an introvert can be lonely because 
you're in your thoughts. Like, you know, maybe you don't want to go out. Maybe you want to be a homebody, but like you still want to be invited to do things. So true. Um, it's a, like I always say like two feelings can exist at once or like both feelings can exist. You can be lonely and you can still want to be invited. You can want to be home, but still want to be invited to do things. <laughs> yes. I, I just think you just have to really like give yourself grace and just, you know, if you're showing up the way that you want, I that's at the end of the day, like you have to make yourself happy. And yeah. I love that. And could you talk a little bit more about outgrowing people or not even outgrowing, but like, well, I guess it is outgrowing, but like you go on separate paths because like, like you said, you are 35 and you don't have kids, but you're, and you're married, but some friends that you used to have were married and then they had kids. And I felt that with my sisters, even like they're obviously a little bit older than me, but even once they got married and had kids, I just felt a complete, it was different. And yeah, uh, they always talked about their kids and I would never, ever like shame them for talking about their kids because that's their life, but I couldn't relate on any level. So I just felt like there was this distance between us that wasn't there before. And like, I kind of had to grieve that with my own sisters of, of not being as close to them anymore. And like, things are now different. I, and I think those feelings are a reflection of like how we feel and not how other people feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have friends that have kids that are very intentional, like, hey, we want to come stay with you guys for a weekend. Like we we host friends in the summertime. Actually, we like rotate where we go, but they all have kids, multiple kids. We don't have any. Mm-hmm. We have our two dogs, but we still have a good time. We still connect as friends despite our differences. So I, I think a lot of times when we feel like, oh, things are going to be different because they're married now, I'm single, or they have kids, yeah. I don't have kids. It's a reflection of how we're feeling and not a reflection of how they're feeling. Because I, I, what I have found is that I, my friends are very intentional. They will still try to, you know, do things together, make sure that we keep our, like, you know, a strong relationship going. And when sometimes when things have like been weird or I'm like kind of grieving because I'm like, oh, my friend, I don't have this friend that I used to have anymore. It's more of like how I'm internalizing it and now how they actually feel about it. So, so true. That's a really good point. Can you share with our listeners a bit about yourself and your journey as a career, homebody introvert and lifestyle content creator? Yeah, absolutely. So content creation, I, I've been, I've created content for a number of years and it's gone in like, like I was doing the keto journey one time. I'm like, I'm going to document this on Instagram. Yeah, I've always done home. I've always loved home decor. And many, many years ago, my husband and I actually had a home decor business. We, we did like Etsy. We did like trade shows because Jason is very good at like making things cool um, he used to teach wood shop at the high school level and i have the ideas we're like i like the chip and joe like my ideas he can help to execute it it's like a perfect um, pair and that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so home decor has always been a part of like what i have done but i've never really like shown my face on content uh, i've always just wanted to be like shooting things like i want to shoot pretty stuff but I, I actually started TikTok and that's what I was doing many, many years ago. I actually was like 21. It feels like many years ago, but it wasn't going anywhere. Like I would just like shoot pictures in my home, didn't have a tripod, was just trying to just like put something out there. But it wasn't until I actually, I was like, I'm a homebody. I think that there's other people that are homebodies and they would probably relate. And I, I just remember like, 
it was like Christmas break. I think it was like 2022. It might have been 2021. I don't know. I can't remember. But I just posted this video like, is anyone else a homebody? But you like being invited to things, even though there's like 100% chance you're not going to go. And like 10,000 followers, like it literally happened so fast. And then of course, I posted it like, things I don't regret buying because I'm a homebody. Like I literally, I'm a marketer, like my undergraduate yeah. degrees in marketing. I work with brands all the time. I've done content strategy for other people, never for myself. So I just kind of, I was like, oh, I'm just going to tap into this. And it literally, it just, it just happened really fast. And so created a community through being a homebody. There's a lot of people out there that are homebodies. It's like I love impressive. It. <laughs> and I, and one of the things that I, some people say you can't really be authentic through creating content, but I grew up poor. We didn't have a house. We we never owned a house. We always lived in apartments and we never lived in the same one for like more than like a year or so. At one point we were homeless. And so my content is very like authentic in that, yes, I'm a homebody. This is my house. Like I've worked so hard to be able to own a home and this is not the first home we've owned but like that's something like to to be a homeowner to come from the background that I came from and so my content might be a little different like I'm not like pushing I, I do push capitalism sometimes like <laughs> but people people want to buy shit well <laughs> like, they're like but, what is that uh, let me have the yeah. link <laughs> <laughs> yeah they like they're like send me a link it's the link here bio to me I found I found that the most cringy part of creating content is people wanting to buy the things that I'm like, what I'm wearing, like what I'm talking, like, that's weird to me. Standing in front of a camera or walking around my house shooting content came more natural to me than people wanting to buy the things that I have. Because then it's like, am I an influencer? Like, this is weird. <laughs> the influence. Yeah, it's it's really quite a responsibility to have anyone have a platform. And then also yeah. the element of like, you are whether you like it or not, you are influencing people, especially yeah. with the community that you have built. But I also wanted to tie back, go back a little bit and just say like, congratulations on how far you have come and like having your home, your second home or whatever number house this is really amazing and tremendous. And I am so glad that you post on TikTok or just post your content. Cause it's like, that is the reward of you just being able to enjoy yeah. your house and share it with others and re reflect on how far you've come. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I, I appreciate that that so much. I, I do think that sometimes content creation gets a bad rap or like, you no, know, but they're, they're, I'm like, I'm really authentic in my content. And I, I, this was a way for me to kind of tell my story to inspire other people. Because people, everybody's like going through something. Like we just don't know what the journey that people are on. But yeah, I just hope if my content inspires just one person, that means uh, the world to me. Yeah. And I also think like the way that you do your content, because when I first found you, it was different. You didn't really use like popular sounds. You just had your voiceover and like you talking to the, the viewer. Right. And I thought that yeah. that was really different and cool. And obviously everything that you had to say too, I was like hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to hear more, right? Like yeah. I really valued what you had to say. It was really in interesting and I resonated with it. So I understand why you've built like such a community um, because of the content that you create is definitely authentic within TikTok respectively. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. And I, that's been very, that's a hard balance too, because balancing being authentic, but also trying to grow. It's like, you know, because you could use trending audio, you can learn how to like edit, like be really fancy with it. But it's it's just this balance. And I've always wanted to build a community more so than to go viral or to grow really, really fast. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm struggling with that right now is like, I'm still trying to find like my voice, I guess, within the respective channels that I'm on, as well as that's yeah. my main goal too, is like creating this community of people that like literally have no idea what they're doing, but we're technically adults. So we kind of need to know. And I'm still trying to figure out like, what's my style, like play around with things. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to when I do figure that out and hopefully it, it works, it sticks, but I'm still in that it's kind of like right on brand figuring it out because I have no idea. Yeah, I have a hundred percent confidence that you're gonna you're going to figure it out. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Let's move into talking about like working from home. So, as okay. someone who excels at working from home, what are some of the key strategies you use to stay productive but also maintain a work life balance? It's funny, someone who excels at working from home. I, I, one thing about me is I have ADHD. I would so. never guess. I would literally never guess. You seem so, well, I mean, a hyperfocus is a, a quality of ADHD, is it not? Yeah, it is. So I, there's a lot of different systems that I've put into place. So like when I'm at my desk right now. So like one thing I have is like this time cube. I literally have to like have like time block my time to stay on track. My calendar is color coded. Like I, I have my meetings, you know, I lead a global team too. So like I have like color blocks for like, this is when I'm going to have one-on-one. So like I'm in this, I'm in a different frame of mind and I just, I just try to keep a schedule, keep a routine. And it's literally the same thing every single day. <laughs> like I wake up. I have to take my dog for a walk. I come back, I shower, I get dressed. I do my co I do the same thing every single day. Now when I create content, content is really it's just like I don't know, I call it like 0.3 seconds of your life. Like it's little snippets of 0.3 seconds of your life. And so that can vary, but I have to keep a routine in order for me to like stay on track. Now, it's really funny with content creation though because I do like I post like almost every day. That part of my life, like, I know I'm going to create something, but I don't have, like, I don't do content calendars. I, I know some things that I want to post about. And people are like, well, how do you, how do you, like, come up with ideas? Mm -hmm. That's, like, I could be a, like, I could go to bed and, like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, that I have an idea. And I just, like, jot it down. My notes app has, like, thousands, thousands of notes on my phone of ideas and that's just, that part of my life is chaotic, but it makes sense to me. It's a system that I've built, but that's, that's really how, how I thrive. And now excelling from working from home, I found that funny because I've definitely struggled to find balance between home and like work life. So I've created a dedicated space. I, I try to like leave work in my office, but that doesn't always happen. Like a lot of times I feel like I, or a lot of times I'm on my laptop at nighttime, but people yeah. don't like see those things. Mm -hmm. But I, that in the office, I was the same way. Like I would try to get to work. I'd be the first one there. Sometimes I'd be the last one like to, to leave. Not because I'm trying to like just keep a seat warm or anything <laughs> that, that way, but like it does take me a lot of extra effort to, to focus and also to just like create those routines. And, and I just do what like works for me. 
I totally feel that with uh, taking the time to focus because I will be working. I work from home fully and there will be days where I have like a two hour chunk and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get so much done. And like, realistically, I only get one of the things done. Like I get it done completely, but like it takes so long for me to focus into it. And especially if I've just come from another meeting, I have difficulty going right into work as well as I'm really bad yeah. at setting out specific breaks. And it's weird too because I'm like, oh, it's I need to set out specific breaks in my day for me because then I will ultimately be more productive. But I also feel really guilty because I'm like, oh my God, it's taking away my productive t- taking away from my productive time. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, I, I love that Google has that calendar feature now where it's like, this is how many hours you're in meetings. Weeks that I'm in meetings for like 30 hours, I don't get much work done because it's very hard to take your mind from like meeting, meeting, meeting to like task work. Um, I do try, I do block my calendar for focus time so that I could actually like get work done. I think that's that's so important because it's very hard to shift from like Zoom calls to now let me go back to what I'm doing. And I, I think that in the COVID era has like made multiple, like I don't think people listen as much as they used to because to get work done, you're on calls doing the work while you're trying to like, you know, also try to so listen true. and be there. Like, yeah, so- I do block that time for focus time because I have found where I'm not retaining, like if I'm on a call and I'm actually trying to do work, <laughs> it's it's very difficult to, to, to listen and be in that moment. Yeah. So. And I feel like because we're all, well, majority of us are virtual, we have this idea that, oh, if we're on a virtual call and we're not listening, we don't need to listen because it'll be somewhere in the Slack channel. It'll be somewhere in our emails. Like we don't actually need to listen because we'll get the notes later or the meeting notes later. Yeah. And we kind of like lean on that as to listen with one ear and do something else. Yeah. And I, so I, I'm very protective of my calendar too. If I don't need to be on a call and I know that if I join this call, I'm just going to be working um, on something else. I don't join the call. I do a very good job of cleaning my calendar. Like I'll look at all my meetings. I'll see if there's an agenda. If there's not an agenda at the beginning of the week, I will email someone like, Hey, what, what is this call about? Cause, because I like to just own my time. And I think that's so important. Cause I think early in my career, I literally like, maybe it's FOMO. Maybe it's like, Oh, I, I need to be in the know on everything, but there, there, I would never turn down a meeting. I would never, I would just be there, even if it had nothing to do with me or my role. Oh my, so. everything you've just said was like my first three years as like getting into my career. I was like so eager to do anything and like obviously didn't want to stir the pot or like didn't want to say no to things and like be like looked as like bad or like, um, like uncompliant or right. And I have just started getting into the habit of like owning my calendar. And first off, it gets me jazzed because I'm like, okay, I have all of this open time for myself or like what I actually need to do. I'm far more productive. I've been, since I started doing it this year, the amount of productivity that I feel satisfaction from the work that I'm outputting is like tenfold. And I, I just feel clear. Like I don't, and I'm also not in every single meeting now either uh, where I was before. And 
it was really hard for me to just say, I don't, do I need to be in this meeting or yeah. asking for an agenda? Like you said, like I struggle to do that still, but I'm getting better at it. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's so important and learning to say no. It's so, it's so important. And, in, in your career, like the, the strategic way to say no. And sometimes a no, like it could be a yes, but, but so. What are your top three work from home products or tools? I think you actually just posted a TikTok about this yesterday. <laughs> so I was already creeping that, but I, everyone would love to know. Top three. I'm probably going to have to say like something to make like a hot drink. Like I'm making, I have like a tea, like what is it? London fog right now. But like my kettle, my Nespresso, my Keurig, like I have all the things. I think that's so important. That's number one. And you need all of that. Like when I worked in an office, we always had, we had like a coffee bar and you like, I had like, we had like tea bags and stuff. And I was the person that would like be demonstrating how to make like a drink that I had. Like, the workplace that, that was- barista. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so fun though. So, and I just remember doing that all the time. Like that was what I did. Roxy um, will make you a latte. I, <laughs> I know. I'm like, you want to go, you want to go get a coffee? Let me just make you this one I made this morning. I can make the most of any type of like ingredients that the company provided us. I, I would say two is probably my like time tracking cube because it does help me to to focus and I am able to block my time to like get work done. Three, what would I say is three? I don't know. Maybe my walking pad or like maybe my standing desk. I like I love both of those equally. Maybe it's my standing desk because this is like was one of my first like no regret purchases as a corporate girly that works from home. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Like, I have an ergonomic office chair. That is super underrated. Chairs. Totally. I had this, and I wish I could find a picture, but when I first started working from home, I had found this, like, old, like, one of these old school chairs in my in-law's basement. It was, like, this orange chair. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, it, it, like, rolled, like, I don't know. Like, it's just a very, like, antique. Yeah. And I was like, yes, this is my office chair. And probably, like, a after the first like couple weeks of working from home, I had excruciating back pain. Oh, like, no. It was just awful. <laughs> it was the chair. It was definitely the, the chair. antique chair was making you antique. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, so then you got the chair that you have now or did you get to the, yeah, and I love this chair. Yep. I love it. Yeah. I just got a, a proper chair too. And it's like life changing. I still haven't even looked up all of the different functions you can do. like you can put the back the back rest oh, back nice. further and stuff, and like it has foot rest too and stuff that I've started to yeah. use as well. And I I like love it. Like it it's I've noticed such a difference. Yeah, it's it's definitely a game changer. As a first generation college student, you mentioned in a TikTok that you recognized you're at a disadvantage when it comes to your career since you didn't have your parents or other family members to show you the way and give you advice on, you know, like what's best to do or just how to navigate corporate or work situations. Furthermore, you have been learning and figuring things out as you go. Can you elaborate more on these realizations and share any advice to listeners who are also navigating a similar experience? Yeah, I think the biggest thing in being like a first generation college student is I growing up, I only knew about like traditional roles, like traditional jobs, like 
a teacher, a lawyer, an astronaut, like of all things. <laughs> yeah. Like those are like, those are things like as a kid, like when you have career day and stuff, those are the jobs that they're talking about. I didn't even know anything about corporate America or these jobs. And it really wasn't until even in college, like I, it's really kind of wow how like I've excelled in my career, but I wasn't even thinking about college. Like it, like even my, my senior year, a college softball coach was like, we would love for you to come for a visit. And that was the first time that I was th even thinking about it. Because I didn't have, like, my my parents didn't go to, like, actually, my dad went to college, but he wasn't in my life. My mom didn't go to college. No one in my immediate family went to college. So I just, it wasn't even top of mind. And I wasn't even talked to, it wasn't even talked about to me to, like, from my, like, counselors or anything. So, again, like, I think if if my parents, if I wasn't a first gen and my and my parents were involved in that aspect of my life, or maybe we had like a car and we could even go to like these career nights or whatever, I would have had like a step up, but, but I didn't. And so a college coach was like, we want you to come for a visit. That was the first time I thought about college. I actually got a softball scholarship. So that was how I even went to college. Wow. Um, it just wasn't, I don't know why. And and maybe I feel like I've probably I've probably have struggled with like ADHD much longer than from when I was formally diagnosed. So I like went to college and even in college I was like I wanted to be I thought I would be a history teacher because again it's a traditional job. I was a history major and when I decided I was going to transfer to the University of Arkansas and that was because like the guy I was dating at the time was going to Arkansas and I'm like <laughs> I'm going to go to Arkansas too. It was then that they that like when I was like doing the transfer credits they were like I talked to a counselor I was like what can I even do with the history Right. And she was like, you can be a teacher. You can be a park ranger. What? Just really, yeah. <laughs> so random. <laughs> and, and, but she goes, but the University of Arkansas has a really great business school because that's like Sam Walton School of Business. That's Walmart, like where Walmart is. And I was like, oh, okay, let me change my major to business. And so I ended up changing my major to business, ended up majoring in marketing. But then e even through college, I worked at a retail store. So, and my junior year, I did an internship with that retail store where it's like, you did like a rotational program. They flew us to Chicago. And then my junior year, they offered me a job after graduation. It was like working in a retail store, oh my gosh. basically doing the same thing that I had done. Yeah. And so I was still going, I was still going on the same path. It was like very safe. And then it was, it, someone found my resume out on Monster, this like e-commerce retail company. And they're like, we want you to come in for an interview. And it was funny. It was like perfect timing because it was about that time that that retail store was like, we want to transfer you to Texarkana. That's my hometown. We want you to transfer to Texarkana. So I'm like, this is awesome. Like I yeah. could go back home. I could be making, I made $40,000 a year at that time. I could go back home, making my $40,000, live with my mama. Yeah. Um, and save. Yeah. Or, <laughs> I, I, but I'm going to go in for this interview just to see what this is about. And Smart, yeah. uh, by chance that I don't even remember putting a resume out on Monster. I got that job and that job changed my life because I've been in e-commerce for well over a decade oh. now at this point. And that's where it started. And my advice for like first generation college students, especially like, and I've talked about this and, and it's funny because like a lot of first gens are like, yeah, I had no idea. No one has talked about this to me. You One, you don't know what roles exist outside of traditional roles. So you have to 
seeing people like me that has talked about being a first gen who has gone through I'm an e-commerce, which like a lot of people probably don't even know what that is. Yeah. Like, when I met my husband, he's like, what is this? Like, is this a real job? I'm like, it is. And you can make a really good living doing it. <laughs> yeah. But I think also like when you get in corporate, you also don't know how to navigate these spaces, like dealing with like microaggression, dealing yeah. with like trying to like advocate for yourself, not like coming from like a mindset of like, oh, I'm so, I'm just so grateful they gave me an opportunity to like I deserve to be here. I've worked hard to be here. It's just like this mindset shift that as a first generation college student, I had to figure out. And yeah, so definitely was at a disadvantage. I'm, I finally, I arrived, thankfully, through trial and error. Yeah. So if I can save anyone, some <laughs> of the steps that I took, I, I want to do that. When you were saying that you were, you could have taken like this quote unquote safe job and gone back to your hometown and live with your mom. Or take a risk and like just even go to this job interview for this position you had no idea even existed. I would also say yeah. like being in your position, sometimes you don't have the opportunity or like even the privilege to take the risk. So yeah. what's your advice when it comes to like if they are if people of similar experience are put in positions where they don't know what to do, but they have two different opportunities, how could they sort of scope it out a little bit more to make more of like an educated guess. I think we, we, we have to be, we have to, you know, not go for what's going to be comfortable now, but think about your future self and setting yourself up for the future. Like if I had to take in that, you know, job in my hometown, like that, that's what like Roxy, right. in that moment wanted. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking about the Roxy in 10 years and what I want out of my life. So you have to really like make decisions for your future self and not like the instant gratification or the things that you want right now. So true. You highlighted that you've switched jobs roughly every two to three years without guilt. It's a very important note to touch on. What was your process in achieving this and how do you let go of the guilt or if you can't let go of it, how do you manage it? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny when I was like, I've switched jobs every two years without guilt. It's kind of like cringy. <laughs> I think say. it's like really impressive, but I'm I'm I want to know how because like I don't know how to do uh, yeah, that. I, I, and I I did read a stat. It's like if someone stays at a role for like I I don't know even want to misquote it, but it was like more than like two or three years over the course of your lifetime, you make fifty percent less than someone who does switch. I don't encourage job hopping, but what I do encourage is for you to really like own your career and own your career journey. And know where you want to go and know when you're stuck. So I there there have been times where I've had to switch jobs because I knew it was the right decision. So like I worked for a company that like the financials, I didn't think the financials were were good. And I was very young in my career. I was having a good time. This was the kind of company that like they always had like a stocked refrigerator, breakfast was there, we had like taco Tuesdays, like in your 20s, that That's is a like good time, <laughs> you know? <That's> right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, I remember like the the World Cup is on and like everybody is, has their laptop in front of the, the TV, like that's, that's great. But that's also that like, these, this, these are the things that like, is this going to set my career up like for, for the future? Like, so I, what I do is I'm always assessing, am I in the right place? Am I getting the experiences that I want? Is there growth here? So I talk about like a career compass and, and I've shared this with a lot of different people, but it's like this constant, like, 
I know the job I want in one year. I know the job I want in five years. And if I'm not like right now, if I'm not working towards those things that I want, then I might make the decision that, you know, this, I, I need to like leave. I've also had to deal with like difficult situations. Like I've been in a role where I was working my butt off and I was just at that, like, you know, there's like this stigma, like, you know, one of my boss early on, he's like, if we can get you to stay for two years, we can get you to stay for five. <laughs> but I like, I've been in a role where I was like, what, what else do I have to prove? I'm just working really hard, not really getting anywhere, seeing people around me getting promoted. And, and I was told there's nothing else you need to prove. We're just not ready to promote you. That's really, that's a hard realization to know that it's not going to happen for you. Yeah. And that's something you can't put on a resume, but you just have to figure out like, you know, if it's not the right fit um, after some time, if you're not getting to where you'd like to, because a, a career is personal, totally. it's a business, you should run it like a business. And that's how I've always treated, treated my career. I'm just like, I need these, these experiences. I need to go over here to get these experiences. But I'll be honest, the the best companies that I've worked for, and actually my company is, the company I work for right now is very invested in my career growth, my career progression. And I'm not looked at it, it's like, oh, did you, did you do X, Y, Z this year? Like, there is this long-term plan for me, like this five-year plan of, getting me to the level the, the levels that I want to be. And that's what I've always desired in my career, someone to take a vested interest in my growth and my progression. Because it's not just about getting promoted. It's about getting exposure and experiences to set you up for you know any future roles that you want to take. Totally. I love that quote that you just said, run your career like a business. It just, I just had like a aha moment. I was like, that makes so much sense. And then I think yeah, when you do that, you naturally just take the guilt, the guilt kind of goes away or comes second nature because like you're focused on the business, right? Like, does that yeah. sound silly when you're I- You're focused on the business. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's even like, it's even like people feel really weird about talking about money, but like it's a transaction. Mm -hmm. Like you're delivering a service and you're getting paid for it. Totally. So, yeah. And if at some point you say, I want to make more money because I think my service is more valuable, like, yeah, you have to do what you have to do to, to, mm -hmm. to make that happen. I love that. Personally, last year, I felt like I was in constant fight or flight mode at work. And I've also talked about it on the, yeah. on this podcast that I took a leave of absence last year from work. So have you ever felt this way? And I think you've touched on this a little bit in your TikToks. And if you have, how do you get out of this space or also cope with this feeling of fight or flight? Like fight or flight can also be like extremely detrimental to like just your overall health. Yeah. So how do you, how have you dealt with it? Yeah, I, I've definitely had those, you know, times in, in my career where I have felt like I was in that fight or flight mode and taking a step back is important. Like take your time off. I think that's so critical. You need to be able to just like one, your job is not all of who you are. And so that I think it's so important to, to remember that and take the time off, make sure you're decompressing taking care of yourself and doing what you need to thrive. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if we're not healthy, we cannot, like the work doesn't matter. Like you have to take care of yourself. And I try to always remember that about 
the the job and everything right. is, you know, taking care of myself. And I like I have a I have an autoimmune disease. And so it's even more critical for me to like I always talk about it in my TikToks, take care of yourself, do what you need to thrive, because that is important. Because if I'm on a hospital bed and I'm not able to exactly. even move. <laughs> How am I like, how, why does, would the work even matter at the, you know? And I think I learned early on, like I, I do like, you know, get stressed, but it also makes me laugh when I think about it. It's like, I, am I really stressed <laughs> that I have like 50 emails when there are like bigger problems to solve or That's like, true. I have wanted forever to be in this position that I'm in. Like, is this, am I really stressed about this? So yeah. I do try to reframe the, my mindset all the time. Like I'm constantly checking in with myself. And I think that's so, that's so important. Yeah. I also, so I also work in marketing and a running joke at our agency is whenever we are stressed, it's like, we are not saving lives. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. People are paying us money. That's important. I've always said that too. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. like, I don't work in um, healthcare. I'm not like on the front lines, you know, like I'm not saving people. I am doing marketing, contributing yeah. to capitalism. <laughs> right? like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like e-commerce is like, I'm at the end of the day, I am trying to get people to buy more stuff <laughs> online. Like that, that's not like, yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not like saving lives at all. And I do try to keep that frame of mind. And I, I also like, I think it's so important. Like, and I talk about like another reason why it's like run your career, like a business, when I was in college, like I worked at this retail store and my best friend, like the, the I hadn't met really anyone outside of like school, but I worked at this store and I met this guy, amazing person, best person I've ever met in my life. He had worked there long before I got there, but on my 21st birthday, he called me in the morning, never called me ever in my life, called early, early morning and said, Hey, I'm running late for work, but I wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Oh, that's amazing. That's so nice. Like maybe like 15 minutes later, I get a call and I didn't answer. And it was really weird because yeah, it was, I didn't answer it. It turns out that that was a dispatcher calling me because I was the last person he talked to and he died. He had a car accident. No, I know. But what was so crazy about this person who dedicated everything to this job was the day of his funeral, we all went like everybody that we worked with. So they didn't have people to work like, and so they were calling everyone. And I think that that was to, to me, that just changed my whole perspective about totally. everything because people matter more. And that just put my, put that into my perspective that, that put everything into perspective about like what matters most to me. And I try to like, keep that frame of mind as I'm going through my career oh my god and it's yeah people that story I don't want to cry because like ew but like that was like such a moving story that makes me so yeah. emotional yeah I think about him like I, I mean in the in the moment it like it happened I like could not like not think about it but as time has gone on things have gotten easier and what's really crazy about that whole thing was when I started my first job in e-commerce a girl started and we became best friends I was like the maid of honor in her wedding they were from the same hometown they I don't her brother or his brother was in her grade and they were friends and so it's also just oh like God, what a small world so crazy yeah. how things different city different everything and just those connections, but it's just, it's just kind of, yeah. Wow. 
So tying into the fact that work is not everything, let's talk about you more and like your personal life. You share a lot about your dogs on TikTok. So Benny and Quincy, right? Yeah. (laughs) They're so cute. I love them. How long have you had them? Tell us about their breeds, their quirks, like the joys of being able to work from home and then also have them there with you all all day long. Yeah. I used to be afraid of dogs and I still am actually. It's really weird because like our whole neighborhood has dogs, but if one like caught, got off leash and like came yeah, towards me, it is terrified. Yeah. My husband's like, this is really weird like <laughs> that you have dogs and you're afraid of dogs. But we got Quincy. Quincy's our first dog. We got him in 2020. My husband's like, we need a dog. Like, you know, it's during the pandemic. Everybody was adopting a dog. And so we adopted Quincy, but it was really, I didn't think that, I didn't think anything of it, but my husband goes into the office. We adopt Quincy and like we, uh, over a weekend. And then that Monday comes in, uh, Monday comes and Jason's like, I'm got to go into the, go to work. And I'm like, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> like me and Quincy are like looking at each other, like, what? <laughs> but we did fit me and him. We figured it out. Mm-hmm. I'm his best friend. He's my best friend. And that is one of the reasons that's one of my joys of working from home is the fact that I get to stay home with my dogs. And it's like, I had posted a long time ago, this video, like, cause last year I traveled a lot for work and Quincy was just home by himself. He looked so sad. And the whole day he's going from like the window back to the couch, the window to the couch. Um, (laughs) And it's, yeah. So being home with, with, with my dogs is such a joy. We adopted Benny. It's almost been a year. We adopted him last April because Jason wanted a dog. (laughs) Oh, he wanted his own. He was jealous now that you and Quincy were like besties. (laughs) That's hilarious. But That's not how it worked out. So now I have two dogs uh, because Quincy or Benny is also like, yes, my dog. Loves you. Not a surprise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they were both adopted. They were both rescues. Benny is really interesting because he was in a house with 20 dogs and they like pulled all the dogs out, took him to a shelter. And when he was in that house, he started playing with a like a metal bottle cap, like which is really bizarre. He would like flip it out of his mouth and catch it. Like that was his like, and when they found him, they took the bottle cap away and they gave him a ball. And now he's obsessed. Like he's obsessed with his balls. He can play, he can like play fetch and he can catch it. Like very impressive dog. And the first night we got him because he's so like hyperactive mm-hmm. on his like balls and stuff. We were like, we got to take this dog back because <laughs> Quincy is lazy. Quincy like sleeps 23 hours a day. Benny does not. Benny wants to play. Um, and we were exhausted. <laughs> But he's been great. His birthday, we just celebrated his birthday. Uh-huh. We got him an automatic like ball thrower. Um, <laughs> That's perfect. So, yeah, oh yeah, God, I know. It. It's, it's, it's great. And we wanted, and because I travel, we wanted Quincy to have a dog. Totally. And so now Quincy has Benny and oh, it's great. That's so cute. I love it. I We also rescued our dog too. He's from, up from Nunavut and we don't really know what he is. He came from a dachshund rescue organization. Oh, okay. And but, we love dachshunds. Yeah. Cause you, I think Benny, is Benny part dachshund? Well, for his birthday, we also did the DNA test. Okay. So we're, we will find out oh my in gosh. Like a couple weeks so what, what he is. So we did that too. And we I have to tell you this because this is actually really funny. We did the DNA test and we sent it off. And then we planned a breed reveal party for him in the summer last yeah. year. And we got like <laughs> our closest friends here. And then we 
got the results, but we didn't check them. And like we, the whole party was so that we could all look at the results together. Okay. <laughs> and we had like bets and like everyone had to guess what they thought Larry, Larry's our dog, Larry was. And everyone okay. brought their dogs and it was like a really good afternoon. So we opened the video and it says he's poodle. I have to, I'll send you a photo of him afterwards. He is like small. He looks like a miniature German shepherd, but with a dachshund body. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god! We're all like poodle. Like, what the heck? How does that happen? So we don't know if it was like actually accurate. I mean, who knows? Some people have said that there's actually a lot of poodle breeds or that exists in none of it. So that could be accurate. But we were just all so like, what? None of us guessed poodle. So is that was it like that was the strongest percent? And yes. there was others. Yeah. So there was okay. others. So there was um, lasso app. Lassa Apso. So like the ones that kind of look like a moth, they got really, really long hair, but they they have really long bodies. So that yeah. could also be okay. fair. Um, he had like part like terrier, German Shepherd, Canadian Inuit dog, so many different ones. And then majority besides Poodle was just a super mutt. So there's so many different breeds. Oh. Quincy, they say Quincy has super mutt yeah. in him too. <laughs> it's essentially like all the different breeds and they can't like pinpoint it because it's just makes made up of so many. So yeah, so yeah. he's really just a big mutt, but he is so, he's really small and short, but he looks like a big dog. <laughs> so Jason logged back into the results, the DNA test. It was a couple weeks ago and it said that like Quincy was like a 70% match with another dog. Cool. And so we got so excited. We emailed the person. They never responded. But we're like, oh my God, our dogs are like brothers, sisters, cousins, something. <laughs> that would be so cool to like send photos back and forth to like see their quirks yeah. or if they're like similar. Exactly. Exactly. So you're also on Book Talk and you have given reviews <laughs> of specific books that you have read. What are you currently reading? If you are reading anything right now. Right now, I'm not reading anything. But I just, yeah, I just joined books. I read all the time. I've always been reading, but I've never done like book reviews. And so I'm just starting to like do do more of them. But not reading anything right now. I need to figure out what my next book is. I read like five books in January. You read a lot. I think it's because I went so hard in January that I'm like... (laughs) February is just kind of like chill time. Well, I noticed that you had posted, what was the one series? It's like, has like the Dreamland Billionaire series. And I really want to read those. Every time I go to the bookstore, I look at those. I'm like, I got to read them. But I I saw that you had reviewed them. So it's on my list. Yeah. I I loved them. Yeah, I, I mean, it was typical, happy ending, but they, they're really good. I would definitely recommend them. So if you hear someone's reading a specific book and it sort of causes a little bit of jealousy because you wish you could read that book again for the first time, what book would that be? A book that I wish I could read for the first time again. I don't know. I think it might it might not be a book that's like typical like that I like spicy talk but I really loved Stacey Abrams leading from the outside okay and I I know that that one like like Stacey is like in is a politician basically but I loved it from the perspective of like we're not you can lead from your seat you can lead from wherever you are and I think I, I found a lot of like 
correlation between my job in corporate and totally. her role. And so that, that I, I loved it. I, w- I would read that again. I've like bookmarked everything, highlighted so many things. Yeah. But yeah, I, thought I it love that it's cool. non it's a nonfiction because anytime I ask people that question, they're always like picking a fiction novel. Yeah. yeah. And I really love nonfiction. I find sometimes, well, it depends on the type of book. Uh, if it's more like self-help or, or just like you're kind of like learning something from it, I find it hard to like read it front to back. If it's more of like yeah. a memoir or like a personal experience type novel from like a real life person, I feel like that's more interesting because there are some story elements included in there. So it's easier to read it front right. to back. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I, so I had made a, last year I was like, I'm not reading any more self-help books. I was like, I, I, everything I need to know, I know at yeah, this point because very true. self-help, you always feels like you're like, you can't decompress because you're still trying to learn and try. So that's why I started, I started reading Colleen Hoover. Like I have a lot of her books, Tessa Bailey. Like I have so many mm-hmm. books like that because I did not want to read self-help books anymore. So when I was on my leave of absence last year, I was reading a lot more and I kept telling my therapist, yeah, like I'm reading all these novels and stuff, but like, I don't know, like it's, it's they're not really exciting. I'm just sort of reading because I have a, additional time like to myself. She's like, well, why don't we put the self-help books down and why don't you pick up a book yeah. that you actually want to read that like is interesting. So I was like, yeah, trying to like improve myself while I was supposed to take a rest and like take a break. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Lastly, you have also recently started running, which I love. I got into running last year too. My partner does like marathons and all of this. Yeah. Like he's, he's addicted, but I tried to do <laughs> a 5k and a 10k last year. And so I love your mm. journey of you starting from the very beginning. Cause I really resonate with that. What do you love about running? Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, again, I, I, the internet is not real life. And I, although I was like starting a beginner runner, I have been a runner before in my life. I did the couch to 5k many years ago. It was probably like, I don't know, 2012, 2013. I did the couch to 5k. I used to run all the time inside treadmill. I loved it. But then like, once you stop running, it's not one of those things you just pick back up. Once you you have to like relearn. And so I knew the couch to 5k was effective and I wanted to do that again. So that's why I started running again and started like talking about it. And I had actually done many, many years ago, I did a 10k at my, in my husband's hometown, they have like Oktoberfest. And on like the last day, there's, there's a 10k. I did so poorly. And I was running with these other two girls who went off and left me. But I did so poorly that like, my husband's like, where is she? Like, she has not yet he he starts walking the the trail the running trail backwards to try to like find, find you. me yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome because I well not awesome because I'm like younger and I started running beside a guy who had had like this heart surgery and he's like I'm just I'm just thankful to be out here to be to be running and I don't know how I like feel about that it's like me and him were keeping pace with each other and he's like much older than me but still it was a different perspective too like when you run like yeah it doesn't matter if you're like good at it like you're running like that's that's a blessing so exactly that's my partner has always said that when I first started to run I didn't really call myself a runner so like when people ask you what do you do or like what do you like to do for fun I would never say running he's like you should say you're a runner because 
you literally get out there every so often and you run or however many times you run. Like he's like, it doesn't matter how fast you go. doesn't matter the distance you go. It also doesn't matter like how good overall you are. Like you are a runner no matter what. Right. That's what somebody commented on um, the, one of my videos and they're like, forward is a pace. Like who cares at the end of the day? Totally. Um, You're, you're running. Going into your full-time job as well as content creation, were there any hesitations or questions from like coworkers or leadership about you creating content? I think no. And there are uh, definitely uh, a lot of people that know that I create content. I've always, so if you meet me in real life, I am not, I'm a content creator, but you don't, I, I don't present myself that way. Right. And so when someone sees me in real life and they're like, oh, or like work people, specifically work people. And they're like, I've seen your content. I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing. (laughs) That's not who I am (laughs) in this setting. Um, And I just don't even want to talk about it. But, you know, the algorithm's interesting because it shows your content to people that know you. Yes. And that's interesting to me. You know, people have like comment, like sent me messages like at work and like, hey, your content showed up on my For You page. That's really cool. So I, it, it hasn't been like a huge issue. There's a lot of, you know, I, I have coworkers who also create content. Cool. I love that. So, and, and I'm like, I'm like an influence. I've always been like an influencer at like an e-commerce I haven't had the platform that I have now in TikTok, but I do webinars. I talk about e-commerce. Like I'm a top e-commerce voice on LinkedIn. So while I do this for work, I now am also sharing my story like to to build my personal brand also. Yeah. I love that. I feel like people then at work would probably be like, it's a no-brainer as to why you would create your own personal content then. Yeah. Like there's not a there's people there's people that are not like natural, like I, I feel like it came more natural for me to just create content because I've been in this space for so long. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, a lot of coworkers started following when I was just posting home decor. It was a little weird when I don't feel like a lot of my coworkers are on TikTok, but I was always hesitant to post on Instagram because that is where a lot of um, coworkers are. But when I started to bring the content over to Instagram, because I want to grow that platform too. I've like hesitate on like what I post or what I talk about. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, the, some people say like, you know, block your coworkers, <laughs> you, you know, if it keeps you from wanting to post the content that you want or like people are like afraid to be seen trying, like who wants to be seen trying to be an influencer? <laughs> like that's, that's kind of weird, but still, I, I think if you, if this is something that you want to do, then, you know, you figure out how to do it. But I like made sure I read my read my company's like social policy and just make sure that I like I don't post like during like work hours or anything like that. Like I have like strict guidelines of like how I post or how I do it because I want to be respective of my nine to five. Totally. And tying into what you said about building a personal brand, what is your advice to those that are wanting to discover their own personal brand? So I think in discovering your personal brand is one thing for me was to think about like who I am outside of work. So I've 
I don't talk about e-commerce in my content, but I could talk about e-commerce all day long. Yeah. Like it's what I do, <laughs> but I want to, you know, you should be well-rounded. Like, you know, it's not just about like what you do for work because you're so much more than that. Like what else is there to you? What do you like? Like maybe you do like running. You could talk about running all day. Maybe you are an introvert. Maybe you like like going out to eat and posting about like the food that you're eating and all this kind of stuff. Like there's just so much more to you than your day job. And I think you just need to figure out like, what are those things that I love that I enjoy that I want to, I want people to know about me. And I think that's where it starts is, you know, defining just, just showing up for What's your advice to other introverts on maintaining friendships, but also setting your boundaries? Yeah, I, I think friendship, especially as you get older, it has to be very intentional. Like I I don't like to, like I have friends where like, I don't do well with texting. So, you know, you text me, I might not text back for a couple months. That's just like, but then it's kind of weird because they're like, right, we see you online, you're online. <laughs> you so just like, posted why are you that proxy, why are you responding to my text? <laughs> yeah, but I, so one of my like best friends, and I actually met her through work and my husband and I moved to Michigan for a job. And like, I just like, we lived downtown. We lived in this like really nice place. Like there's like bars and stuff around. We did not ever like really want to partake <laughs> in that, but this girl who's now my like really good friend and I am going to be in her wedding next year. She was persistent. She's like, Hey, I'm literally right beside your apartment. You should come out. And so I did. And we, I have this picture where I kind of look uncomfortable, but like, <laughs> she's just persistent. Like, I think if you're friends with an introvert, <laughs> sometimes you have to be per persistent. True. And I think introverts are like really cool people. Like, yeah, but you know, I do think you have to understand like how they're, they're wired and, you know, they, they do need that time to just like re-energize. It doesn't matter who you are. Like I, my husband's an introvert. I'm an introvert. I need time to like re-energize, like even yeah. like, you know, like in interacting with, you know, someone that I love and that I'm married to. So just understanding how people like are wired and being respective of them and not taking it personal. Like if I don't text you back, then it's not because I don't want to. It's literally because like, I just, I just can't. I actually told my friend this, uh, like finding a, somebody to do my hair. If you don't have a website, I'm not going to book with you. Like, I don't want to call you. I'm, I'm not going to, like, I'm point. not going to text you to try to coordinate a time. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, that's so uncomfy. I agree too. Like I, I, whenever I'm looking for like services or like anything where I like, like a smaller business, right? The first thing I'm like, do they have like one of those? Sorry, my dog is barking. Oh, that's okay. Can I you hear him? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> like I said, when I like try to book any services, I always hope that they have like a automatic booking function so I can just like put in yeah. my <laughs> and not have to text or call them. It's absolutely necessary. Yeah. And and I do, the only people I FaceTime is my mom and sister or like the the friend that like she like, like always calls you <laughs> just always like in in my space and like I love her I love her for that because yeah it, it sometimes that's what it takes and I and if I expect that like I I expect her to be like pushy and so yeah I mean I agree I have friends like that too where they know like like four out of five times that they call me I'm not going to answer but like the fifth time I will answer and then they still don't care they'll just talk to me as if 
I've not just screened four of their previous. Yeah, calls, you exactly. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and I find if I find myself having to apologize, like I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I, I was always like apologizing for like being this way yeah. or like not wanting to, you know, talk on the phone or something like that. That drains my battery. And yeah. that, like just kind of ensures that I probably won't interact as much. But so true. Um, yeah, I I do like intentional, you know, intentional friendships. Yeah. And like uh, the fact about like apologizing, like it it does a disservice to you yourself as well because you really don't need to apologize as long as you're like communicating effectively in the ways that work for you yeah. as to your boundaries, right? Then there's like really no need right. to be like, sorry, I don't like to do this even though I've already made it very clear to you I don't like to do this. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Can you elaborate on the energy shift that you notice in your home every Sunday or like almost like the Sunday scaries as you're preparing for the work week? And as somebody who you love being at home and you are re-energized by being at home, what are your tips to fully enjoy your space before you're working from home for the entire week? Yeah, I think everybody experiences the Sunday scaries. Like even if you love your job, there's definitely like an, an energy shift. It's like, oh, I, I got to go back to a more structured routine on, on Monday. But I I do like, I try to like romanticize my Sunday. So I do my errands. I try to prep for the next day. I know that's like probably frowned upon, but I do spend about an hour prepping for the work week. So that's when I'm like looking at my calendar. Let's that's when I'm like seeing if there's not an agenda on some of the meetings, seeing if anything needs to be moved or if somebody declined a meeting and I like, you know, it's still showing for me. I try to prep for the week on on Sunday. That's just something that like works for me. And yeah, just romanticize like my 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 Sunday. Um I used to have the Sunday scaries. I think more when I went into an office as opposed to now where I have like a, I have a routine. I control my routine because essentially working from home, like, you know, if I like eight, eight to nine, I don't have calls at eight o'clock in the morning. That's something that is respected. I I have more control over my time and, and, you know, and, and that just really helps me with, you know, managing the energy shift or having the Sunday scaries is having that flexibility. And I know that's a privilege, but that that's important to me. Yeah, I agree. Like I have started to get into the habit, even just for half an hour on Sundays or whatever on the weekend, just to take a peek, just so that I set myself up on Monday morning in a good mindset, as well as yeah. not taking, because I find once you hop into Monday, First off, everyone's hopping back in. So there's like a million messages or emails right, yeah. from the weekend. And then you take up like a chunk of the Monday morning just to get yourself back in the same routine and it's pure chaos. So like I feel like if you yeah. do it on Sunday, even for half an hour, an hour, then you that's your undivided focused attention on what you need to get done for the week. Exactly. Exactly. Who or what inspires you in your career and content creation journey? And how do you stay motivated during challenging times? I don't know about the content journey, like necessarily like who inspires me. I think content is, I mean, like you said, it was authentic. I don't know. It, it can be a lot. <laughs> I, I I can do like the endless scrolls. I'm not really sure who necessarily inspires me. I definitely like the art of content. I mean, and I'm like a creator. So I, I like the art. I like seeing like how people like 
edit and seeing like how they tell their story. Right. And it was really funny. I actually don't, I can't remember the creator, but somebody like I was looking at this, this post actually was today and they were like, they were talking about this other creator who is a really great storyteller. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to go check out this creator because I like storytelling. And I'm looking at our page and that creator was following me and I wasn't following her. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah. That's like a humble brag. That's like really. Impressive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I just think that's really I just love the art of content creation. Like and you can be inspired by anybody like you don't it doesn't even matter about the follower. Right. Account. It is an art and anyone doing it. I, I just I'm inspired by the, the work that you do in my career. I my career role model is Bozema St. John. I love her. She was the CMO at at Netflix. She was also at Endeavor. She was at Uber. I just, I, anything I can read about her, I, I read it. She's not in a, in the corporate space anymore, but her journey is inspiring. She's the best to ever do it. And I just love her. So I try to like not mimic her career, right. but I'm like, okay, she went here and then yeah. she went there. I, I'm, I'm always doing that. I, I'm always looking at somebody's LinkedIn. Like, you know, like I said, I want to be a chief digital officer. I want to be our CMO. And so I'm like, I need this experience or I need to go like here. And and I mean, that's all like I've talked about, like career journey or like the career compass. And those are those are the things that I keep top of mind. Before we wrap up, can you share a significant turning point or a success story that has shaped your approach to work and life? So I think this is uh, one of the most significant turning points in my life, work life, has definitely been, I decided, I was having a hard time at a job, and I told my husband, I was like, I need a new job. And he's like, okay, so you're miserable, you should go look for a new job. And so I, I did. And I came back, like I had two job offers. I had a job offer in Michigan. So it was like Ben Harbor, Michigan. They call it like the suburb of Chicago. Okay. I also had a another job offer in Fort Myers, Florida. And we chose Ben Harbor, Michigan. I probably would have chose Florida, honestly, because I, I'm from the South. Yeah. But my husband was like, no, it's too hot. And so we chose Ben Harbor, Michigan, which is also like where like South Bend area. That's where Notre Dame is. My husband's been a Notre Dame fan his entire life. But in order for me to take that job, my husband, who was my fiance at the time, he needed to quit his job. Wow. And he was a teacher and he taught for 10 years and he did. He quit his job so that I could take the job in Ben Harbor, Michigan. And I consider that a turning point in my career because I think it's the first time where I felt like I had like a like a partnership, like someone wanted me to like truly be successful. Mm -hmm. And that's my, that's my husband. And it does not matter like what I've done. Like I wanted to start a business. He's like, okay, <laughs> I support you. I wanted to take this job. He's like, okay, I'll quit mine. So we can move there. And he has like, since he's not teaching anymore, but he has had a successful career. He has a successful career outside of teaching. It took some time, but he's, he's been able to be successful. Yeah. And even content creation, he's like, I see it. Like, I see the, I see the vision. You should do content creation. And I think that's so important. I am successful because I have a partner who supports me and backs me in anything that I want to do. And that makes it possible. So that was beautiful. I literally was 
going to cry. Like I got teary eyed. <laughs> like that's just a really beautiful story. And I'm like really, really happy that you found your person and the fact that he was able to build a career from making mm-hmm. that sacrifice and not yeah. resent you or be like, hold you accountable for any of his failures or shortcomings while navigating his journey after quitting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's been, it's been great. I, I'm, I'm so glad we took that chance and he took that chance on, on me and yeah, we've, we've been thriving since then. Where can everyone find you? So on socials, anywhere that you want listeners to connect with you or continue following your journey. Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn, of course, Roxy Kaus. I am also uh, on TikTok as well as Instagram, also Roxy Kaus, no space. And those are probably the best places to find me. I'm also on YouTube. I need to do more with YouTube. But yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. I'm in all of those places. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Roxy. I I just feel so good after chatting with you. I feel really like inspired. I I feel emotional. Like we had a really Aww. good discussion. <laughs> you have so much insight and I feel really grateful that you're sharing this with everyone like that is really the whole point of this podcast is to share what you know with other people who don't have access to it or don't know what they don't know right so I just want to say yeah thank you from the bottom of my heart I really appreciate it yeah and thank you so much for having me this has been really great and I hope someone resonates with you know any of the stories that I have to tell and yeah thank you thank you